And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. They say the best workout program is the one you'll actually follow. So do yourself a favor and go to bodybuilding.com slash plan to choose from over 50 comprehensive programs. Lifting, cardio, diet, subs. Each one explains everything you need in detail. Plus, we've got everything from the one-week beginner's plan on up to the 16 hardest weeks of your life. Man or woman, student or midlife and beyond, we've got your program. Just go to bodybuilding.com slash plan. Welcome everyone to my birthday podcast. Happy birthday. My birthday happens to be whatever random ass day this gets published. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, but really, welcome to the finish line. The last man standing or sitting over here is Chris Gethin, none other than the, than the man of iron himself. Uh, I'm Nick Coleus, an editor for Bodybuilding.com. Our co-host is Heather Eastman, as always. Hello, everyone. And there's a whole other podcast out there where you talk about the Man of Iron prep. There are also 18 and counting episodes of the Man of Iron series documenting your experience. But long story short... You've been preparing for a full Ironman for six months. Not one year, not 18 months, but just six months, right? And last Sunday, you finished it. I did it. I completed it. And uh, that was uh, the the entire goal. It wasn't trying to break any records because I'm not going to be going out there and trying to do that. Uh, I would run out of gas. And I was uh, very proud of myself that I was able to uh, apply disciplinary action to take my time, pace myself, because no one was going to remember if I did it in 13, 14, 16 hours. Mm -hmm. I and they would remember if I did or did not finish. So I paced myself and happily finished. See, that's that's yeah. a great approach, too. That's something that I think a lot of endurance athletes can can learn from because yeah. they sometimes live and die by those those numbers yeah. as opposed to just accomplishing yeah, the Yeah, feat. and you know, not just top athletes, just anybody participating because the amount of people that I saw walking on the marathon because they'd pushed it probably a little too hard, either on the swim or the bike or both. You know, they were falling like flies there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is 6 a.m. to what? Start in the dark, finish in the dark. Yeah, pretty much. So uh, I think I started probably around 6.30 a.m. The pros started at 6. And then, I, you know, I, I put myself in a, a swim time probably a little bit faster than what I could do just because I wanted to get out there. Mm -hmm. Ahead and, of the writhing mass of bodies. Yeah, yeah, and because I knew it was going to be a very, very hot day, and I thought, I don't want to be out there any longer than I have to be, so let's get it done with now. And uh, I finished probably, it was about 9 o'clock, about 9 o'clock in the evening, yeah. That's I was, uh, my uh, my five-year-old and I were following you via the, uh, the Iron Man page, and I remember it was about 8 o'clock, and I thought, he, he's probably done by now, and I looked, and he said, oh, he still had six miles to go. I said, oh, that poor bastard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> were you I'm, feeling that way at that point, or were you just No, I, I, I felt good, because like I said, I'd paced myself. Mm -hmm. I was able to run pretty much the whole way, just a very, very slow run. Um, you know, I was probably running at like a 10 and a half, 11 minute pace. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would stop at every single aid station, except for the last lap, uh, just to put ice down my top, down my shorts, and under my cap. 
because in the half I did it when I had to, and I, I, I perspired so much and I mm -hmm. struggled. But this time I did it before I had to, and it kept me cool, and I felt so much better for it. You know, I didn't feel like death warmed up when I went over that finish line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let, let's go back to the Half Iron Man because we haven't talked since then. That was about, what, six, seven weeks ago? Yeah, about seven, eight weeks ago. And you, you did that, you um, you survived it, but was it an, was it an eye-opener for you just being out there and being in that race setting like that? Uh, yeah, I'd, I, I'm very good at visualization, so I'd visualized a lot leading up to that, so, you know, and, and the same with this event. So I wasn't caught off guard with any surprises as such. However, you know, I know that I did push it a little bit harder than what I should have because I ended up walking uh, quite a bit during the run. I got a respectable time, you know, I got six minutes, uh, six hours, 19, uh, which I was very happy about, but I pushed it in order to get that. I suffered after. Mm -hmm. This time I didn't feel like I suffered even though I did double the amount. Uh, you know, after the event or during the, during the event, I felt, you know, I hydrated very well. Mm -hmm. I took in probably more than enough nutrition. <laughs> and uh, the only thing that really hurt after was uh, my flexors mm -hmm. and my ass from that solid saddle for that's 112 miles. Yeah, that's from ever the, even uh, considering. The guys, yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, I've tried so many saddles. Like I've done speed dating with saddles. <laughs> And uh, no matter how many I, I try, I just cannot find one that's comfortable for my big fat ass. Have, is, have you tried the full-on like fat boy seat? The With the suspension and everything? And no, I haven't tried that. That might one. be okay. it. That might yeah. be the one right that's, that's there. That's what I put. Like, I have this bike. It's a fairly <laughs> slim little bike, but I'm like, I put the big the old big seat on, saddle on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just figured, hey, that'll get you. If this event is conditioning my resolve, this will condition my ass <laughs> mm -hmm, <laughs> from mm -hmm. the ass up. Yeah. Yeah. The guys that we had um, filming you throughout this entire adventure. They they said that you seemed like you were better after the full Ironman than you were after the half, that, that they saw that in you as well. And yeah. I was shocked when Nick told me that you completed it in 15 hours because it's like, get that? I, I thought for sure he'd try to do it in under 10 or something ridiculous. But <laughs> I don't think the pro got it underneath <laughs> 10. Yeah. And those guys, remember, like, this is what a lot of people don't understand about endurance events such as Ironman is that it takes years and years and years to build up the fitness mm -hmm. in order to bring in those times. Much like it, you're not standing on a bodybuilding stage such as the Olympia until you've put in at least 10 years, at least 10 years of consistent hard work. And it's the same, exactly the same in mm -hmm. Ironman. You know, these guys have built up fitness over many, many years in order to get that time and they're efficient with it. Because since then, you know, I've had people comment saying, hey, I'm gonna do an Ironman next year. I think I could win my age category. So I have to say, look, it's, it's great to be optimistic, but you gotta be realistic mm -hmm. as well. Number one, if you're a little bit bigger, forget it. Right. Yeah, you can do it, but you're not going to be winning any. Mm -hmm. You're not breaking any records. Victory is just maybe the wrong goal. It definitely, right. many definitely is. You know, it's talk? the hustle. It's the journey. That's where it's at. You know, the worst, the worst day of my life probably is an Ironman. You know, because then it's like, okay, now I've got to find another goal. It's the journey. It's getting ready for the for the event. Is uh, the days that you live and you uh, absorb and you acknowledge. Sure, and uh, yeah, as Heather points out, we've had a lot of guests who say the same thing about bodybuilding shows. Even though yeah. some of them are people who've basically never lost, they say, "Yeah, you're not doing it for the victory. You're you're actually really doing it if you want to do it for the prep, for the experience, for the test. Yeah, if you exactly. love it." Yeah. Some people go out wanting to win, and I think those are the same people who, if they go into an Ironman wanting to win and don't win, they hate it. 
But if you really love and appreciate the journey, then... Even if they do win, they'll be depressed afterwards. Yeah, exactly. This is it. Yeah, exactly. I found that through bodybuilding. I'd always go into an abyss of depression after an event. And when I won, it was no different. It was no different. So that's why it's very important just to focus on the journey. And I think with age now, you can appreciate that a little, a little bit more. And this is something that you can possibly do when you're in your 60s, you know. So mm-hmm. I think and, and there's a, a few people that I've spoken to that have that, that could have gone pro, but they haven't. And I've asked them why. And they said, because I don't want the pressure. I want this to be something that I always enjoy and be a hobby mm-hmm. and something that I can do into my twilight years. Sure. We we have uh, had some some Instagram fitness celebrities on who say they they wouldn't dream of competing. You talk and they say competing's for crazy people. I can just train and and be an inspiration to everybody. Mm-hmm. Why would I why would I put myself through that if I could do this forever? Basically, yeah. So the that's opened up a whole other landscape. Yeah, for bodybuilding for sure. If you look at uh, endurance sports though, it's mm-hmm. uh, other than CrossFit. You know, that's a hybrid mm-hmm. sport. Uh, they have no following, zero, yeah. and that's always. I've really had to scratch my head over that because I'm thinking, wow, these are people that I really look up to. They're in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, household names, like possibly in the UK, like the Brownlee brothers. However, they have a terrible following. And uh, I've asked a couple of people about that. And they said, well, look, I see people in the gym and in between sets, they're taking their selfies and doing the videos. We ain't doing that when we're out on the bike. And chances are our sport is quite expensive, which it is, and the people that participate in it, you know, like they've look at, looked at statistics, the average income is $138,000 uh, mm. for the people who participate. You know, they're successful business right. people or whatever. A lot they're of not, doctors and lawyers out there. Yeah, so they're not messing around on Instagram. They're not taking selfies. They're not putting out their information, their training. They're certainly not following any other athletes. They're doing it for themselves. They're doing it, you know, for their own satisfaction. Mm. So now you, you mentioned bodybuilders and bodybuilder style training. Your training did sort of take a shift at the half half iron yeah. point, it seemed like. Yeah. The back and buys, a lot of the supersets and things seemed like they kind of went by the wayside a little bit and you toned it back. Yeah. So but, mm-hmm. the, the reason being is, uh, you know, this is why I do these video trainers. I don't just instruct people and put people through it. It's because I have to experience it myself in order to better uh, navigate it and then translate it to the viewers so they can apply it themselves, learn by my mistakes. Mm-hmm. So I quickly realized, you know, I came into this, as you know, when I started, when I came onto this show, I'm going to build muscle. I'm going to get fitter, lose fat. And that wasn't happening leading up to the, the half. And it was frustrating because, you know, whatever my mind could, you know, I could apply to, I was able to achieve it physically. And this time it wasn't happening. And I quickly realized that I was just putting in too much volume within my workouts because the volume within uh, my disciplines, my cardio, especially on the weekends, was just tapping into my muscle stores, my amino acids way too much. So then I pulled back the volume of my training, focused a little bit more on, um, you know, the compound movements, more rest in between sets, less repetitions, and put myself just purely in an anabolic state uh, within the gym. And uh, that really helped compensate 
and there's a complete shift in my physique. Really? Well, yeah, what, what so. did that do to, to make that shift? What, what, what did it result in? Uh, well, I had my lab results. Uh, I had my lab results done at the beginning and at the end. I don't know if I should disclose it right now. Should people have to... Ta- yeah, <laughs> um, I think people should view... I think view. people should have to look at... Well, to, yeah, they'll have to watch a video times, series, but... But, right. but, yeah. but, okay, but I'll let, I'll let you know right now that there was a significant gain in muscle that I was very, very happy with. Uh, my body fat came down, which was expected, mm-hmm. but it just goes to show that I could create that shift of increasing muscle mass. But what was, I'll give this away. I'll give this away. My VO2 max went from 44, which is considered standard uh, or good for my age group, and it shot up to 56. I think it was 56, 52, sorry, 52. 44 to 52, which is considered superior for my age group. And a lot of that is dependent on uh, genetics. So I was very, very happy that I was able to create that shift in such a short time period. You weren't, you weren't doing a lot of VO2 max protocol sort of style stuff, though. There are was, there was some intervals in your program. I know because I've looked at this program every single yeah. week. You're not doing tons of VO2 max work. How, how, what do you attribute that to? Is it, I, I think does the gym help that, do you think? The gym definitely helps, you know, because I am a high-volume trainer, you know, especially on legs and stuff like that. I don't take that much rest in between sets. But there was, uh, during the week, I was hitting a little bit, you know, more resistance. Like if I was on the watt bike, if I was out on the bike, you know, I'd push it pretty hard in those shorter sessions. Uh, but like on the weekends, that's when I was just, you know, like I said, getting comfortable being uncomfortable and just working my aerobic mm-hmm. capacity by pacing myself and just going out there for long distances and using that as kind of a, like a recovery uh, ride or run. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was, you know, thanks to you, I found a lot of trails as well. It's a whole well. different world out there, man. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely it's loved it. It, it helped fun. my knees. It helped my hips. And uh, it made the run that much harder. Mm-hmm. So I was hitting a lot of elevation, a lot of hills out there. And it made it very difficult with my body weight, you know, putting out that much more extra wattage. So that definitely helped with my cardiovascular function. Because then when I would go to, you know, like I was in New York a couple of weeks ago, I'm running around Central Park. I'm like, wow, I'm running at a much faster pace now. And it's so much easier. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like going from mountain biking to biking. You're just going to find the road so much easier. Right. And the trail, you have to pay such close attention, yeah. too. Yeah. You can't, like you like can't really zone out. Yeah. I like that because yeah. then you're that much more aware. It's definitely more – you notice that because you're more me- you're mentally exhausted when you come back mm-hmm. because you've had to concentrate the whole time that you're not going to twist an ankle or whatever, where you do kind of zone out when you're on the road. It isn't as tiring. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I used to do a lot of trail running, and it was much more fun. I mean, I'd go out without music just because you can get lost yeah. just on the trail. And but there, there is, there's people, uh, there have been studies into it that say that you actually have a, a different response running in natural surroundings than you do in the city, too. Like, you're more efficient, and it's it's better quality training, generally. Yeah, because you are more aware of yourself. And they've said that with the Kenyans. That's why they're so good. They don't go out with their headphones. Right. They're not amongst the hustle-bustle of mm-hmm. people, city, that environment. They're focusing on, you know, the sound of their feet, you know, making as minimal amount of noise as possible mm-hmm. so they have that, Steps you know, and breathing, that's yeah, all I can hear. You yeah. got it. But you also then would go crush arms on yeah. Monday. That's one thing that I also noticed. All of a sudden, it's like everything else went back, but you still destroyed arms every Monday. Yeah. <laughs> was that still like, I got to do this. If I'm going to be me, I still have to I have to lead my week this way. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, I know that I've been out on a long ride or a long run on the Monday. I'm going to hit a small body part. 
uh, on that following day and, uh, you know, arms, biceps, triceps, I haven't hit my upper body and those limbs. So it seems like the perfect way to start the week. And then I'd hit legs like on the Tuesday once they've kind of loosened up and recovered a little. Hmm. Okay, so let's let's talk about the days leading up to the race. Um, you were still deadlifting five plates with Alex Viata a week before I saw on Instagram. So you weren't you weren't mm-hmm. tapering per se, like like somebody who's done you know. If you think of a taper before a race, it was a, it was a Gethin style taper. Yeah. Well, I was I was asked to taper about three weeks before, mm-hmm. as you know most triathletes do. Uh, but I figured I don't really have that time to do so. Like a lot of these triathletes, they've been doing this for a long time. They can afford to taper for three weeks. I'm not that highly tuned machine as yet. And I know that I can probably recover more efficiently than these people because, you know, I'm doing the massage, I'm doing the cryotherapy, I'm taking high levels of glutamine, a lot of protein. I'm, you know, the foam rolling, whatever it may be, you know, I can focus on my recovery and get a little bit more aggressive with my recovery than those people. I don't have that time on my side. So I wanted to lead into the event a little bit more and work a little bit more on my fitness. So like, I think it was three weeks before I, you know, I went up to Stanley, I did my 2.4 mile swim. And then the following day, I went and did an 86 mile bike ride and went over the Galena Summit twice, which is a lot of elevation. And then, you know, I followed that with like a 12-mile trail run, uh, you know, the following day. So that definitely wasn't a taper. Mm-hmm. And then I went out with a th- on a threshold ride with uh, Tritown, a local uh, club here, which destroyed me. We covered like 23 miles in like just over an hour. And I was with traffic lights, you know. That would pushed it hard. And, you know, we kind of continued that when, you know, I went to Texas for gasp and got some you know, pretty badass workouts there. But then as soon as, you know, I've, you know, my last workout was with Alex hitting back, you know, I went aggressive with the recovery then with the massage, did cryotherapy, did oxygen therapy, a little bit of re- relaxation and made sure that we got up to uh, Coeur d'Alene where the event was held early. And I purposely uh, located this uh, bed and breakfast that was like six miles out of town away from the noise where I could start, you know, using a lot of visualization because you know, don't ask me how I come up with this number, but I believe around 77% of the recovery and lowering your cortisol levels comes from de-stressing the mind. You know, your, your mind plays a huge role, whether it's you thinking that you'll get in shape or you won't get in shape, thinking that you'll recover or won't recover and thinking if you'll actually finish the event or not finish the event. So a lot of visualization comes into it for me then. And I can only do that without uh, the noise and hustle bustle sure. and be you know close to myself with thoughts without any people around. Mm. So does that mean you slept like a baby the night before? Um, not really. Well, you know, it's, I, I got that's, to, that's what, what time did I yeah. get to bed? Around nine o'clock or something? Eight, eight o'clock? Eight o'clock, eight, eight o'clock. o'clock. Okay, that's, that's not pretty bad good. Today. And we're up about 2.30 mm-hmm. or something in the morning. So yeah, not bad. And as you're, Going, you, you know, you get to the to the starting line. There's all these people there. I saw there were hundreds and hundreds of people, even in the full Ironman, which is mind blowing to me. Yeah, heart pounding, or are you no, just ready? I'm relaxed, very mm-hmm. relaxed. It's um, calming then because I've visualized everything. I've I've visualized me going, you know, having blisters, having a puncture getting kicked in the face in a swim, everything. So I know nothing's going to be a surprise. I'm very, I don't sound, I, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I'm, you know, certain that I'm going to finish. 
-hmm. and that was my goal. So, uh, you know, the only thing that happened was that uh, uh, someone punched, you know, the goggles off my head at one point, but I was able to catch them, put them back on. That was the only surprise. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my parents were there. They came up as well. And, you know, my father had been with me for many, many years when I was racing motocross. So having him there is, I, I don't know why, is just very relaxing and comforting because he knows kind of mentally ha what I go through. This time I interact a little bit more. Before I'd be very much a recluse. Uh, so I'm much better with it now. I'm more sociable with it. And I find it's, it's much bigger than me now. Before it was all about me. Now it isn't, you know, it's, it's about the charity that I'm doing this for. It's about the people that are watching this and hopefully going to inspire to become a hybrid athlete. So when you think about things like that, it, it makes, makes it so much easier. You know, if you've got any negative voices, they quickly get drowned out by these others. With the Capital One Saver card, you earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment. Does that include dinner at that new French place? Yep, 4% cash back there. How about bowling with my friends? Yeah, 4% cash back on that too. Nice. And that'll be a rewarding weekend. Because with the Capital One Saver card, you earn 4% on dining and entertainment. So when you go out, you cash in. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. Capital One Bank, USANA. Yeah. So, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, um, so you talk about hybrid athlete, and one question I've been wanting to ask this whole time, do you think that this is something you'll do again? For sure. I was talking to Sunshine earlier that I'm already thinking about uh, doing one in Arizona. I'm already looking at that. I've been looking at that one, Kentucky, uh, Florida, you know, because I, I've spoken to a lot of people that, you know, I spoke to somebody on the weekend that had done eight different events and they said Coeur d'Alene is by far the hardest. <laughs> you know, that, that bike route is mm -hmm. just a killer. And I use an extra six watts of power per kilo of body weight on as little as a 2% gradient. So it's uh, very inefficient for someone my weight mm -hmm. and my, you know, that, that amount of muscle tissue. So I want to find something a little bit flatter uh, next <laughs> time. Help. And I'm looking at, you know, doing something different somewhere else. So, uh, yeah, I'll always be a hybrid athlete now. You know, tra consider a trail race, though. Those trail races yeah. up in the mountains, they're, yeah. they're, you know, and there's no ass blisters. That's the nice thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm <laughs> definitely up for that. You know, I was uh, somewhere yesterday and I saw a half mar marathon uh, poster and I snapped a picture. I thought, I'll remember that. It's next month somewhere. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, you'll have to keep me informed where and when they are. Are you talking longer than a marathon, no, like an no, ultra no, marathon? No, no. Uh, there, uh, there are some. Um, so in, in September, I don't know when this is going to come out exactly, there's a, there's a beautiful one up north of McCall where there's a 22-mile version and then there's the 100-mile version. You can mm -hmm. choose one or the other. But a 22 wouldn't be an ultramarathon. No, nope. Nope. no, no. There, there are there are ultramarathons. There are a few 50Ks in uh, Idaho where we live, but there are also a lot of that 10 to 20 range, which is so nice because you don't have to prepare for it for months. You can yeah. prepare for it for weeks. And at the end of it, you know, you feel... Like you've accomplished something, but you feel good. Mm -hmm. You don't yeah. feel completely destroyed. Yeah, I'm down for something like that. Uh, yeah. right. I got another question for yeah. you then. If you do a race that's like 30 miles, do they exist? Yeah, I think they do. I mean, uh, 50K I 50 is about 35 exist. miles. Yeah. And oh, Ks, we're talking Ks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so there are 30Ks. Um, there are some 12Ks. You know, I mean, there's there's everything. It, when it comes to trails, they don't they don't line up like marathons do. Marathons, half marathons, those things happen on streets because yeah. they're easy to measure. Mm -hmm. yeah. But if you're saying, hey, we're going to go from this natural starting point to the top of the mountain and back, 
well, they'll call it maybe a 30K, but it's actually more like 22 miles or something. So that's, I mean, the trails just refuse to be categorized. That's the, yeah. that's the fun of it. But there are, the 50K scene is, it's intense. It, it um, those guys, those ultra marathoners have a little bit more of a following than triathletes, I feel like, no, because they run they... in the Alps. You yeah, know, they have I, these beautiful Instagram I've, accounts. They're celebrities in the running world. Oh, really? I need yeah. to look some of them up because I know Nicodemus mm-hmm. uh, down in San Diego. He he finished the Berkeley, and uh, I think he became the 13th person to hmm. uh, finish the Berkeley. Only 14 people have ever finished it. Wow. And he's got some, such a small following. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guys like Killian Jurnet and Anton Krupika, they're these incredible running celebrities who, you know, there's a handful of them that are able right. to do it as a living, okay. but they're unreal. Like, But those guys, they run up the Matterhorn, they run up the Grand Teton and things oh. like that, you know. Well, then so. was it this, the that guy that ran up Everest? Yeah, that's Killian Jornet. Yeah, when you went on your run uphill a few weeks ago, we were talking right. about what's up he going to do. the mountain in California. Yeah. What's he I thought you were going to die so on that So this guy <laughs> actually did run up Everest and it took him, what, 23 hours, 24? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and he did Insane. it with with. Oxygen? I believe it was without. I, I, was I it, I'm not. It was without. Sure. Now some guys do it with oxygen, and they do it in like 16 hours or something mm-hmm. ridiculous. But so, yeah, so so there's there's, there's a whole world of weirdness out there. <laughs> so, but you ran up that mountain in California, um, which is one of the toughest day hikes even in the United States. People don't run that thing, and you ran that. Well, it was a very slow run. Mm-hmm. It was a very slow run. And uh, yeah, it was it was very dark by the time we were coming back down. We were using our phones uh, and Alex's uh, headlamp to see where we were going. But uh, what was interesting about that is uh, Alex had suffered from. Have you heard of called rab- rabdo? Sure, mm-hmm. sure. He'd mm-hmm. suffered from that like um, only five days before because he ran down the Grand Canyon because he was relocating. Hmm over to San Diego, and he ran down there. He ran to his new home? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, along the way, he stopped at the Grand Canyon, thought, I'll run to the bottom, and uh, he'd forgotten his electrolytes, uh, so he oh only dear. had water, but he figured I'd be okay, and uh, he got down in very good time, but by the time he got down, it was around midday, extremely hot, and uh, he he started having major cramps on the way back up, threw up, basically cl- collapsed, threw up on himself several times. And uh, the only thing that got him out of it was like he started covering himself in water and he sucked out the salt from his T-shirt that he'd sweated through. And he just lay there for about 45 minutes, got himself back up. And then that was it. And then he decided to do this run with us just some (laughs) days later. And on the way back down, he said he he didn't feel good at all. Uh So we took our time on the way back down. And the next day, we were supposed to go for a swim. I went for a swim. He went to hospital. And they found out then that he had suffered from rhabdo. Oh, dear. Yeah, that's not... <laughs> that's, that's the fourth that's event in the triathlon is the hospital. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, the downhill will kill you. That's that. If there's an art to r- trail running, it's figuring out how to fall gracefully downhill because it's, yeah. it's more of a controlled fall than an actual run. Yeah. So if you can get that, then... I, I kind of trot. Um, <laughs> trot down. So now, how did how did your in race uh, nutrition and supplementation hold up? I know some people when they get in these events, they find, oh my god, my stomach's rebelling. It's I, I can't eat what I feel like I should eat. I can't keep things down, or it doesn't feel good. I, I took in everything that I'd practiced. Twenty uh, pounds of food I saw on Instagram. You had with it you. was a lot of food and <laughs> fluid. It's like a lot of a lot of food and fluid with me. Out there. 
Yeah, so I weighed everything up. When I was holding the bags, you know, when we were carrying them down to the transition and the aid station, they were heavy. And I'm like, oh, it's just Farmer food carries. and drink. Mm-hmm. And uh, But, you know, you like I've heard of one case of somebody losing 27 pounds in a day on one of those things. Mm-hmm. So I needed to ensure. And I did err on the caution of taking in too much. Sunshine makes these amazing energy balls that are made of dates. I have my recaged protein powder in there. I have uh, oats. There's uh, honey, seeds, nuts, and turmeric, ginger. I'm pretty good, aren't I? And uh, when you start selling these things. <laughs> that's what I told her. Get them in Tritown. Sun- Sunshine's energy balls. Yeah, there you go. So I, uh, I was, you know, I had like twelve of those things, and I had an extra bag put onto my uh, bike as well. So I was eating them throughout uh, the ride. What I did during the beforehand, I had about twelve to fifteen hundred calories when I woke up at breakfast, mainly in the form of oats, egg whites. Uh, peanut butter, nuts, fruits, honey. So a little bit of fat in there too. Yeah, mm-hmm. have to at that at that point. At that point, and then uh, before the swim, just before I had a banana, and then they had two loops of the of the swim where you actually had to come out onto the beach just a little bit and run back in. I had a gel underneath my uh, underneath my sleeve, and I knocked that back, which I'm glad I did because at the end of the swim, I was hungry, very and hungry. Swimming has been a challenge for you too. I remember the first time you got in the pool in, in one of the videos, you said, "Oh my God, I sink like a stone." Like, yeah, it, yeah. that's what <laughs> I was kind curious of su- about. Su- surprised you? Did, did, did uh, ultimately did that feel comfortable out there? Do you feel like you uh, you have embraced? Yeah, I, like I, I can you know swim a couple of miles now. Obviously, two point four miles right. uh, quite easily. You know, uh, it's uh, but I'm not efficient. I'm definitely not efficient. Uh, yeah, my my weight is a problem, or my muscle density, I should say, not my weight. Mm-hmm. If I was fat, uh, it would be a lot easier. It's a lot easier to float then. Yeah. And, and triathletes and endurance athletes are they have more fat on their body than people realize. Mm-hmm. Their, their body composition is not always the most muscular. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Just because their their bodies are trained to be so efficient, they hold on to fat reserves. Mm-hmm. It makes them great at swimming. Yeah. And some of them are very tall, mm-hmm. which makes makes them very hydrodynamic mm-hmm. uh, in the water as well. And um, so that's something that I'm definitely going to be working on now. I've just been to the YMCA and I've just signed up for their master's swimming uh, class. because I I really need somebody to uh, push me and help me with my technique there Mm -hmm. more than anything. Fitness, I feel, is there. And uh, so then, you know, with the nutrition, I made sure when I got out of the uh, swim, you know, I had a drink ready in my transition bag because I didn't want to just drink everything that I had on the bike. I wanted to keep that. So I knocked back a bottle there of like uh, 24 ounces. And uh, then I, you know, I just started hydrating for about 10 minutes. And then I started eating on the bike. And I was knocking in about 500 calories per hour. Hmm. And about... That's a decent uh, clip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And about 20... I, I was expecting to have about 32 ounces of water per hour. But I had around 24 instead. I didn't feel like I needed it. You know, I think I'm instinctive, which I know what my body needs now. And uh, then when I came to the run, that's where I had a little bit of trouble because I did have some solid foods packed with me. But I think that I'd front loaded that well on the bike. I just didn't need as much food. So, you know, I um, 
I just had I had a couple of things off the aid stations, oranges, uh, some bananas. Uh, with, I, I actually ran with a camel's back. Not many people do that, but mm. I'm going through so much fluid, I felt that I needed to. So I had my supplements in there. And that's one thing that I feel that why I wasn't so sore after the event. I supplemented throughout the entire duration of the race, all the time. So I felt like I was you know, beginning my recovery process and um, whilst doing the race, you know, my, the typical bodybuilding supplements, the glutamine, the BCAAs, the electrolytes, you know, in, in my, my hydrocharge. And uh, obviously I had my recaged, you know, the protein isolate basically during the ride. And I had it during the run as well. Something light, something easy to digest. So I think bodybuilding supplements should have their way in endurance supplements right. if they're light enough. Yeah, it's that's, interesting though. Yeah, I mean, that's a good crossover. Uh, uh, endurance athletes love their supplements, but they often don't take bodybuilding supplements. You've been taking these for a long time. Wh which of them do you feel like really made all the difference? You know, as weird as it sounds, branched chain amino acids, I felt made the biggest difference. I felt a bigger difference with the BCAAs during this sort of uh, activity than bodybuilding. Funnily enough, I just felt that I was able to recover through my workouts, but I didn't feel like I had the lactic acid buildup at all uh, as much uh, uh, during these sessions compared to when I wasn't taking a BCAAs. Because sometimes when I travel, I'm like, oh, I'll take my essentials, you know, my glutamine, my hydrocharge protein, whatever. BCAAs, yeah, I won't worry about my protein synthesis. I can stay here. But I noticed the difference and I was surprised. So uh, BCAAs become, uh, yeah, quite the dark horse. Mm -hmm. I, th I think that's interesting. I remember um, when uh, I, I was working on a piece with Chrissy Kendall when she was here about um, supplements for endurance athletes. Mm -hmm. And we were going over the science, and I remember thinking, just like it came to me, bodybuilders don't need these nearly as much as endurance athletes right, do. Bodybuilders yeah. already eat so much damn protein, but endurance athletes probably could benefit more from them. So when I, when I was doing a race up in the mountains, I had this little bottle of caged muscle BCA pills that I was chewing oh. because my mouth was so damn dry. They tasted terrible. Of course. Yeah, don't but, chew them. Yeah, well, yeah, I would say do not chew them. But it, it made a huge difference just in, in terms of how I subjectively felt mm -hmm. during the race. Like, yeah. Do I yeah. feel like I can continue going or do I feel like I'm getting overwhelmed by fatigue? Yeah. I was amazed. Maybe it's all placebo, but it did not feel like placebo. No, it felt I'd, like it was a serious difference. I'd agree with you on that. When mm -hmm. I was, I was, I started out as a distance runner and then I did some bodybuilding and there was a period in there where I was kind of still a crossover and I knew about supplements, but I was still going on long runs. And I, I would agree that I had a much better recovery mm -hmm. from taking supplements than I did when I was a, you know, a full endurance athlete running marathons. Yeah, so there's I think no there's, doubt about it. There's no way yeah. I could participate in bodybuilding, training the way that I do, and you know, training to be an Ironman or triathlete without supplementation. It's impossible. Yeah. I would not recover. If I recover by 90%, I'm only going to optimize my performance by 90%. Mm -hmm. I need 100% every time. So I have to optimize the supplementation in order to recover. Well, that's what I love that you talk about in your caged muscle about your supplements is that, you know, yes, it might only be 5%, but if you can optimize that 5%, why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know? Because, yeah, cause, you know, sometimes, of course, you know, people think I'm biased, you know, towards supplementation. Oh, you're just trying to sell something. But, you know, I, I would always go back to, yeah, the supplements are only 3 to 5% mm -hmm. if you are 100% with your recovery, your training, your nutrition. But why wouldn't you want to take that 3 to 5%? Mm -hmm. 
You know, That's because, easy. It's right there to take. Yeah, exactly. Because you know what? I'm getting one more rep out than you. I'm going to finish a couple of seconds faster than you every day, and that adds up. Mm-hmm. So, so during the race, were you talking to other athletes out there? Are you turning some heads, or is it a pretty solitary experience? Because I know they can run the gamut. It, it was more solitary this time in, compared, in, in comparison to the half because there was less people participating. And I think there was more serious athletes in this one. Uh, but, yeah, there was a few people, you know, some people would talk to me, say, hey, you look like a power lifter. Hey, can we draft behind your calves? Right. <laughs> a couple of people said. So uh, and someone, somebody even shouted, you know, a spectator, hey, thunder thighs, but in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so everybody, you know, I had a lot of comments because I obviously looked very different out there to everybody else. Uh, but they were all very supportive. Uh, the camaraderie in uh, in the event, I think, is absolutely awesome between the participants mm-hmm. and uh, and the the spectators. But you know, every now and again, there's a guy called Miguel, mm-hmm. and there's several others. But this guy called Miguel, like we were with each other the whole ride and the whole run, except I did beat him in the run. Because <laughs> the last loop, the last loop, I thought, well, I feel Let's good, so I guess mm-hmm. I could pick it up a little bit. So that's what I did, so I left him then. I noticed that when I was watching. I thought, oh, my God, he has he has a lot left. And then yeah. all of a sudden, it was over very quickly yeah. on the results. Yeah, so that, that, that it was good, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to feel good at the end that I could do that. I didn't want to be dragging my ass over. Uh, so, you know, I would generally pass him, like, on the downhills. He would pass me on the uphills because, uh, you know, the uphills are really, really bad for me. Uh, so we got talking to each other, mm-hmm. and uh, he had done – He'd done several Ironman events, and this was his second time doing uh, Coeur d'Alene. And uh, so, you know, we got chatting, and it's good to get a little bit of that distraction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the day goes so much quicker then. Helps you pace yourself, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah for I sure. Mean, if you got to talk, you can't be throwing up while you talk. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you had a great piece come out on the site recently called What Every Bodybuilder Needs to Know About Running. has some solid tips, but... At the end of all this, are there any other tips that, you, you know, just like two or two or three things where you think, you know, somebody who wants to be a hybrid athlete, this is, this, is what it, this is what you really need to keep in mind? Well, I want everybody to keep in mind that it's less superficial. You know, a lot of people obviously want to focus on their pecs and their biceps and their delts. But is it going to be that muscle that's going to allow you to kiss your kids in the morning? Is that... Is that going to allow you to see some amazing views that we have here in Idaho, like the Sawtooth. Mm-hmm. Is that going to allow you to have an experience at your workplace, another birthday or whatever? It's not. It's going to be your heart that allows you to do that every single year to have this, have this experience. However, we don't see that muscle. So people tend to neglect it. And I, I hate that people put it at the bottom of their pecking order mm-hmm. over their pecs. Mm-hmm. Pardon that pun. The peck order. Yeah, the peck order. <laughs> and um, so that's something that I really want to get through to people's heads because, like, you can drastically improve your health markers. My joints feel amazing now. Would you believe you'd think that they'd be mm-hmm. sore after the running? But because of the trail running, I believe it's they're great. So my, my health markers have drastically improved. I've improved increased muscle mass. I've decreased body fat, my VO2 max is up, my lactate threshold is better. Like, why wouldn't you want to participate in both? It doesn't have to be extreme. Maybe, you know, you just want to do an event such as a Spartan, such as a half marathon. Maybe you don't, but go out there 
and experience the outdoors instead of the you know the numbers on a treadmill. And you can't really be one with your thoughts at that point. You're not going to acknowledge yourself. You're not going to be aware. And uh, I think a lot of people are really missing out on that. And only because I've experienced it that, you know, I feel like enlightened by it, that I, I really want to try to, inf you know, not enforce, mm -hmm. inspire others to do it. And I'm getting so many tags now and pictures from people that are doing it. I was on the Fox uh, morning show network uh, on Friday. And when I went there eight weeks ago, just before the half, they asked me on, there's a gentleman there called Josh who uh, works there. And he, he was one of the guys that got me on with his uh, producer girlfriend, Corinne. And uh, he was following the video series and he said, I'm gonna do a triathlon. Since then, he had done three. Hmm. The day before my Ironman, he was doing his fourth. He ended up winning that one in his wow. age category. Mm -hmm. So that's what you know. I absolutely love now. I love to see that more than people taking a selfie in the gym. I love seeing people actually doing both now mm -hmm. and yeah, experiencing there is room it. For yeah, both. it's yeah. not an either or. Yeah, it's... I'm not saying choose one or the other. You know, I just want uh, you know bodybuilders to understand that they can experience so much more and be a bodybuilder. Because I tell you what, there was nothing. I remember this clearly, doing uh, the run, thinking, man, this is awesome. I can run a whole marathon as, a, you know, being nearly 220 pounds as a bodybuilder. How awesome is that? Six months ago, forget it. Mm -hmm. Couldn't even do a mile, you know? So it, it felt awesome to actually be able to do that. And there's no way I want to let that go. Could you imagine? It's like, you know, building up you know, a physique that you wanted, and now you just, like, let it go. You mm -hmm. just, just can't do it. Hmm. Well, it's been a great journey and a great story that we've certainly enjoyed, yeah, and I know a lot of people have enjoyed watching. Um, and the Man of Iron series will continue all the way through the end of it. I don't know. I'm not sure quite when this is going to come out. We'll time it so that maybe a couple weeks before the last the episode. The Iron Man? Yeah. Iron Man, yeah. Mm -hmm. kind of yeah. So I'd say we're probably about six, six episodes away, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're pretty close. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking with us. It's been, uh, it's been a great experience. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And he'll always be here on bodybuilding.com. This guy's not going anywhere. Yeah, I'll be back whenever you want me. You don't have to know fancy terms like ceramic, metallic, and calibers to know that this sound isn't a good thing. And now at most Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, you'll get a $75 prepaid Visa card when you spend $250 on brakes. Do it yourself or have it done for you and save $75. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 531.19.